everybody. Welcome to the Inking of Immunity. I am one of your hosts, Chris Lynn, and I'm here with my trusty co-host, Becky Owens. Hey, Becky. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? And Mike Smetana. How are you, Mike? Good. How's everybody doing? We are doing awesome. We're here today with two art therapists, um, a discipline that I think a lot of our listeners aren't familiar with. I'm going to brag a little bit. My wife uh, is an arts and dance movement therapist, and I was schooled on arts therapy by grading her papers while she was in grad school. So art therapy is near and dear to my heart. Um, before we jump into what that is, I wonder if you could both introduce yourselves so we get the pronunciations of your names directly from your mouths and tell us uh, where you are, where you work, and, and a little bit about yourselves. Hi, my name is Simone Alter-Muri, and I work as the head of art therapy counseling program, graduate program at Springfield College, where I've been employed for over 30 years, and I started the programs there. And uh, it's in Springfield, Massachusetts, in the United States. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Nangeroni. I met Simone because I completed my master's at Springfield College in art therapy and counseling after doing my undergrad in art therapy on Long Island. And I'm currently in Western Mass and working as an outpatient clinician. So maybe we can start by hearing what art therapy is. Um, how you, I know from my own experience with through my wife, we were in New York City at the time. It wasn't a well-known therapeutic modality, and it just it was that we were in New York that she came to learn about it. So I wonder if you could tell us how you both became uh, interested or knowledgeable about art therapy, and then also for our listeners, what it is and how it differs from art in therapy, which I know in your article, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a second, you distinguish those. Um, you know, our ancestors all used visual images, lines to communicate. And art was found in caves as a way of communication. And um, to see it more as art therapy, we have to talk about the beginning of the psychology movement. Uh, certainly, um, Carl Gustav Jung did his own art and also studied the art of other cultures and encouraged his client to use visual images, as well as uh, Sigmund Freud, who actually collected art as well. Uh, it became a profession in the 1960s, in New York City mostly, but in other places across the country and in other countries as well. Actually, in uh, London, in the tuberculosis clinics after World War II, is where um, some people who became art therapists actually brought in to the hospitals easels and paints and encouraged the clients to do art uh, as a way of healing. And throughout the years, art therapy has become more known because it's used from infants, children, all the way to people who are dying. So it covers a, a great um, realm of uh, ages. It could be medical, it could be psychological, it could be educational, it can help with eye-hand coordination. 
uh, so many different things that it's amazing. Myself, I have an interesting story. Well, maybe it's not so interesting of how I became interested in art therapy. And that was when I was a younger person um, in high school, I heard about uh, art therapy and I was very interested in that time. Uh, there was hardly any programs in art therapy near where I was. So I became a double major in art and psychology undergraduate. After I graduated, I ended up working with individuals who were uh, developmentally delayed quite severely. And I was doing some art as a way of communication with them. However, I found out about a program up the street from where I was working. The program uh, ended up doing art as healing to many, many uh, different populations from adolescents who were uh, having uh, emotional problems to the elderly, to people in prison. So I was working in a prison and um, I'm really a correctional institution. And I was teaching crafts and I got a grant where we would take the crafts that individuals made and we would put them in a, a local gallery and the sales would go to a victim retribution project where victims of crimes would get some uh, funding. And what happened was that uh, I was invited to a display uh, by the warden of some art. And um, I said I couldn't go. I was busy with other things, but he said I needed to go. So I went to this meeting and I saw something that I thought was a wall hanging but actually it was a ladder. The person made a ladder with the crafts materials and tried to escape. And I was amazed. Here was a person who said they weren't creative. Uh, they didn't know how to draw a line and they were creative. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And the warden's going, no, this is terrible. You're, you're, you know, you're going to lose your job. Your grant is over. No, no, no. And I said, no, this really inspires me. And I want to learn more. And I want to get go back to school, get my master's, maybe my doctorate, and really finding out about the power of art to motivate people. So that's my story. Uh, I love that, and it reminds me of when my my kids were were really young, and one of my sons got so mad at me, he uh, took all the pencils. He was like four, and created a trap that I would step on when I walked out the next morning, of pencils sticking up like this. And I was so impressed at his creativity; it was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, <"That's laughs> so yeah, I I completely sympathize. But of course, I haven't. Uh, an art therapist wife. So we, we were both like, look at the creativity of this death trap. Um, Sarah, what about you? Yeah. So I started off going to community college for photography. Um, never was thinking that I would get a master's degree. And I was having a lot of personal experiences with the transformational and healing power of art just kind of on my own and with my photo program. And after I graduated, I kind of felt like I loved working in photo, but I really wanted to do something where I was helping other people and found out about art therapy and became so fascinated with how 
art therapy combines psychological theory with the creative, amazing healing power of art, which had been so transformational in my life. And I just felt like if I could use my personal experiences and gain all of this knowledge and then help other people also have a similar experience with art, that that would be a really beautiful thing. I love both of those origin stories. Um, and it really makes sense to the work that you're doing now. But I want to ask specifically, what led you to consider tattooing as a form of therapy from this arts therapy perspective? Oh, that's a great question. I would have never really thought about it, except more and more of my students throughout time had uh, tattoos. And I'm interested in all art forms. I mean, especially those um, that are related to uh, what's happening now in society. And I was fascinated with, oh, that's interesting. And I would ask them, you know, if they wouldn't mind sharing about it. And then one day I had a student who told me that they got tattooed something that I uh, said or remarked on in class on their body. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And it, it really occurred to me that this is really uh, an incredible medium. And why are we ignoring it? Why are we as therapists not uh, embracing it? So that's what happened to me. Do you remember what it was that you said that they tattooed on themselves? That's fascinating. It was something like, you can always take a line for a walk because, you know, there's so many things you could do with a line. You know, zigzags and crosses and dots and anybody can really, can really make something if they really think about it. So... I think um, from from our experience, usually art therapists are also clinicians or they primarily work as clinicians. And therefore, this intersection between art therapy and tattooing is often overlooked. Um, so I just wondered if you could sort of describe some examples about how an art therapist might use tattoos as a means of intervention. Sure, yeah. I find that... I talk about tattoos pretty frequently with my clients, um, if they bring it up. I know when I was working in residential, there was a weekend where I had had the weekend off and had come back and had gotten a new tattoo on my arm. And of course, all my clients were like super interested and asking me about it. And we turned it into a whole conversation with everyone where everyone started sharing about their tattoos and the meaning behind their tattoos, kind of the story of getting their tattoo. Cause I think most people often have like a good story of how or why they got their tattoo or at the very least they're like, it's an image of something they like usually. So I find it to be a really good way to connect with clients and build rapport. Um, it helps you get to know your clients better it's an easy way for me to be authentic with my clients and kind of disclose a little bit, but not anything that's inappropriate or harmful to them. But it's a good way for us to connect as two individuals and to kind of help balance out that power differential that exists in a therapeutic relationship, I think, and for them to see like, hey, I'm an authentic person, you're an authentic person. 
we're both just two human beings connecting and here's something that we can connect about. And I've had multiple clients email me pictures of tattoos when they've gotten tattoos. Um, I would never ask them to send me a picture of their, their tattoo, but if they want to, I'm always happy to look at it and be like, wow, that's so great. Like, why'd you choose to get that? Is there any meaning to this? So it's a really awesome way to connect with people. I really appreciated the description in the article that, that we read before the interview. Uh, it's called The Body as Canvas, Motivations, Meanings, and Therapeutic Implications of Tattoos. And it's in the journal Art Therapy. I think it came out last year. And one of the, the comments that you make in describing these narratives is um, that the process of obtaining a tattoo might be similar in some ways to therapy. And I wonder if you could speak to that. I think that um, there is an, an intimacy when somebody uh, touches your body that has to do with trust. And in therapy, trust is very important. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is that um, often, not always, the tattoo artist really listens to the client uh, that's coming in for the tattoo. And that's very important too, and is um, non-judgmental and really appreciates and hears what they are saying. Uh, Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. And just to build on that, I think both therapy and getting a tattoo can be a really meaningful form of self-care and of doing something for yourself you're putting yourself in a really vulnerable position I think when you get a tattoo or when you go to therapy and so you're building that relationship and practicing an experience of trusting and hopefully having a good experience of trusting another individual when you're in that super vulnerable place well I, I can definitely connect to that. I remember getting my first tattoo when I turned 18 and that trust definitely wasn't in the room. It was kind of your classic tattoo shop, kind of a, a rougher guy tattooing me. Didn't speak to me much during the, during the whole process. He'd had his headphones on and I was getting it on my side, a pretty painful spot. So when comparing that to my later tattoos and the different relationships, formed with those artists, it's it's definitely a different, changes the whole process and, and even the outcome. So I can see how that client artist relationship is is similar to the to the client therapist relationship. I was I was also interested from your articles and also the the video of a presentation on this research and this work that you're doing. You you talk a lot, like we just said, about the process and how a lot of times people are, are, are trying to connect with themselves and affirm themselves or express themselves in some way. But then you also have this other major theme of, of belonging and, and wanting to find a group or something, someone else or something outside of you that you can identify. So I was wondering if you could speak to that kind of dynamic of, of wanting to be individual, but also wanting to belong and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at what we put together. And I think that um, all people want to belong in some way and feel connected. Um, and that is also an important part of going to therapy is that even though it's doing something for yourself, it is connecting to somebody else. 
so uh, in, in a very important way. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was excited when I was researching tattoos with Simone is how many people were using tattoos as a way to celebrate their culture and identity. And um, as someone who personally identifies as queer, I was really interested to see all the tattoos um, that I was finding of people celebrating their queer identity. And that was just really exciting to me that an identity that can be so stigmatized discriminated against is also something that people are choosing to permanently put on their bodies and say like yes this is who I am and I'm gonna permanently put it on my body despite like all of this other garbage that sometimes people can direct towards different marginalized communities and I thought that was just like super inspiring and amazing. That is really interesting I think that's um it's something that we've kind of chatted a bit about as well, even, you know, about stigma of tattoo in any way, but it becomes more popular. But then, like you say, an identity that has been historically stigmatized and now people are putting it on themselves permanently. I think it says an awful lot. Um, I wanted to just quickly circle back around a little bit, if you don't mind, and just just ask you something else about the role of tattooing in therapy and the similarities and differences between therapy and and visiting a tattooist and I wondered if you thought it was different or how much it matters about whether you have a rapport with um, a therapist you know if you're going back to a therapist over and over and over again that might help you become vulnerable and open up versus if you see a tattoo artist as a one-off do you think that matters? That's a very interesting question uh, I, some people do do short-term therapy, so um, that could be uh, connected to that. I also wanted to bring up our colleague, uh, Eric Spurth, uh, who actually is a tattoo artist and an art therapist. And there are other people besides uh, Eric who do that. We've just, Sarah and I have worked with Eric on presenting with him and learning more about his work. And he actually integrates the two. So. He does tattoo removals and new tattoos and always leaves a little bit of the past behind because there's always something, the past is still important. So I'm wondering, you know, um, somebody going in short-term therapy, they, they might want to leave a little of the past behind because they're choosing just to have a short connection that for them at that moment in time is what they can handle. Um, I'm really increasingly fascinated with this concept of the tattoo artist laying hands on people, right? Um, we've talked to folks who specialize in, in sensory receptors, right? And they talk about the uh, unmyelinated afferents in skin and, and the importance of social touch, which has become uh, more and more salient to most people during the pandemic. Um, so this this idea of narrating your tattoo story or talking through how you got your tattoo and you may be going through a life change. And I think this was some of the work that you discussed in the article with regard to Eric Spruth, like former gang tattoos being transformed through this process and through um, this therapeutic touch. And 
what I'm really tr interested in is how we conceptualize healing, right? Because we, in, in, at least um, the way we do it scientifically is we are usually looking for some empirically measurable outcome, but that's not what healing always looks like. And I like the way you, you mix the qualitative and quantitative to push at this a little bit. So what does healing look like from y'all's perspective to give folks a sense of, of what we're talking about? It looks like she's frozen. Um, well, I can kind of jump in if you want, and we can hopefully Simone's Wi-Fi will reconnect. Um, there was a lot in your question. <laughs> um, I think first and foremost, healing, in my opinion, can look different for each individual and is a completely nonlinear process, um, which can feel really frustrating for myself and folks, you know, when I say myself, I'm referring to my own experiences, not that I'm frustrated that other people's journey is not linear. Um, yeah, so it's hard to summarize for me, at least what is healing. But I think when an individual is living a life that feels authentic and meaningful to them and is not as bogged down as they were when they first started working with me with whatever challenges they're facing, I would say that's a good indication of healing. But I think it's hard. It isn't a one-size-fits-all thing in therapy. If it was, it would be so much easier. You nailed that, right? Really what I was interested in is the study. And I know, I think Simone was the lead on the paper, but then the two of you started collaborating or were you part of that research team? So I was not part of Simone's original article. She completed that I believe it was getting approved for publishing when I joined Springfield College and I found out that she was doing all this research around tattooing and I've always been interested in all forms of body modification so I thought it was really exciting and we started doing um, a bunch of different interviews with folks and compiling more research and data for um, a potential second article so I was not part of the first study. So I'm curious, well, maybe you could tell us about the, the follow-up. We watched the YouTube video where the two of you talk about two studies. So there's a second study. I wonder if you could talk to that. Yeah, so the second study is a little bit, involves more in-depth interviews with individuals. So a smaller number of people that we're speaking to, but we're speaking to them at greater length. So we've been interviewing art therapists, tattoo artists. Those have been harder to find. If you're a tattoo artist and you want to be interviewed, let me know. Um, and individuals with tattoos. And then sometimes all of those overlap. You know, I've interviewed some art therapists that also have a bunch of tattoos. Um, and like Simone said, Eric Spruth does amazing work with Sacred Transformations. You can look him up. And he is a tattoo artist and an art therapist. So yeah, we've basically just been talking to folks and finding out kind of similar questions to what you're asking us. Like, what does healing look like for you? What are your opinions and ideas on how tattoos are healing? How do you use them in your practice? What's your experience either with folks you're working as a, with as a therapist or folks you're working with as a tattoo artist? So it's been really interesting to just have these in-depth conversations with people. I'm sure that's a 
a lot to go through. As you said, healing is is different for everyone, and it's not a it's not a linear path. So, I was just wondering what are what are some of the things that are standing out to you that that people have been saying about tattoos and and healing. Yeah, I think what comes to my mind is the way that we're able to take back a form of control with tattoos. Um, So often trauma involves a lack of control, a lack of choice. um, And often that's in regard to our personal bodies, right? And tattoos are a way that we can take control over something that's happening to our bodies in a really powerful, meaningful way um, and have that experience with our body and with another person of being vulnerable and hopefully it's a good experience. And um, I interviewed one tattoo artist, Friday Jones. Uh, They have an amazing TED Talk on YouTube and they work with folks. They work with all different folks, but they also work with a lot of folks who have had a mastectomy and doing mastectomy scar tattoos. Um, And she said, I'm not going to get it verbatim, but she said one of the big key takeaways for her was how we can kind of take that control and, you know, something like cancer, we have no control over that. That's something that's happening to us. We didn't choose that. But a tattoo is a mark that we have control over, that we can choose. And just that ability to make choices, that's something we look at a lot in art therapy as well as providing choice whenever possible for folks, you know, um, whether that be Do you want to use um, markers or do you want to use colored pencils or the choice of what area in their life they want to explore? Giving choice to folks is so important. I think choice, like you're saying, choice is such a a powerful thing. And oftentimes, and I'll speak just for myself here, but not to choose what happens to you is quite damaging and painful. And on the flip side of that, the opportunity to choose to go through uh, something like tattooing, which can be extremely painful as well. I was wondering if, if anybody's talked about that, that choosing to go through pain in order to heal through a tattoo. Is that something that, that you've discussed? Not specifically, but I think it's really, it is really interesting to me how tattoos and piercings are a socially acceptable form of something that, you know, is causing some physical pain to our body and how it's so often, at least in um, pretty much everyone I've spoken to, is something that they find to be very healing and therapeutic. It's something we've come across a couple of times, isn't it, Um, in in some of our literature searching, and there isn't much of it that we actually found, but about the process of reclaiming ownership of your own body by choosing to have these procedures done um particularly abuse survivors for example you know choosing to take that control of what happens to their body um but yeah we didn't see a great deal of research looking at that yeah there's really not a lot super interesting though and totally um a new way of looking at things in comparison to i guess the outdated views and stereotypes that we often see around tattooing and piercing and and body modification generally, but um, yeah, not not a not a lot about that. <laughs> well, I wanted to to throw out there uh, a, a thought for for all of us, right? So, 
some of the research that Mike and I have been working on, and, and I've been working on it, I guess the longest, is looking at how tattoos impact immune function and endocrine function. So what we see is a lifetime experience predicts immune function, but the question that's lingering is how is immune function changing based on experience, right? And we compare tattooing to exercise. It's another thing that people do to hurt themselves on purpose that's ostensibly for health. And what appears to be the answer, the obvious answer, is how people appraise it. And I think your work, what you guys are doing, in working through people's emotions around their tattoos and around their life and what the tattoos resent, you're in the nexus of, of the black box that we don't understand, right? Like those emotions are directly influencing uh, immune function. So one, I hope that you guys keep going because it's gonna be really useful for the rest of us. But the question I actually have is what's next for you? What is on your horizon and are you gonna continue this tattooing research? I personally will always have an interest in art, therapy, and tattoos. Whether that looks like more formal research in the future, I can't say. I'm definitely interested in interviewing um, more folks around all of these topics that we've kind of gone over today. Um, yeah, for me personally, at this point in my life, I'm spent a weird couple years, weird time to graduate school and go into being a therapist. So honest answer right now is I'm taking it a little bit day by day and, you know, seeing where life takes me. Well, um, we can't get a hold of Simone. So I think either her computer died or her internet died. So fortunately we got all of the meat of the interview and I hope that you feel represented in the interview. I think that I'm sad that Simone froze, but I'm, I'm glad that um, it didn't happen at the beginning. Is there anything else that you uh, feel our listeners should should know about our therapy or the tattooing research you've been doing or, or, or anything you'd like to say before we, we close? Definitely look out for a second article when we are able to write that and get that published. If you're interested in finding out more about art therapy, then definitely check out the American Art Therapy Association's website. Um, just to kind of summarize, because I feel like people are constantly asking me, like, what is art therapy? Art therapy combines psychological theories with the creative power and process of making art for healing, transformation, insight, and growth. And it is an amazing, beautiful thing. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I believe all humans have innate creativity and insight and capability to grow and change if and when they want to. And art can really help you process and access some of those things that verbal words alone can't always reach. Um, yeah, and definitely check out Eric's work, Sacred Transformation, Friday Jones. She has an amazing, amazing TED Talk on her work. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Well put. Thank you. Wasn't expecting to Simone to leave, so it's too bad, but I was super happy to get to chat with y'all. Thanks for listening. We're on Twitter at inking underscore immunity and on Instagram and Facebook at inking.of.immunity. The hosts of the show are Dr. Chris Lynn and Mike Smetana at the University of Alabama and Dr. Becky Owens at UK Sunderland. Kira Yancey is the production manager. 
Thanks to the University of Alabama Anthropology Department for helping make this show possible. You can find our full, unedited Season 2 interviews on our Facebook page or watch them happening live on Facebook. See you next time.